When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt, and I hope that you enjoyed your third straight victory Monday. Wow, isn't it a great time to be a Bears fan or what? But hey, we need to refocus. We have a very important week ahead. This Sunday night, our Bears will be taking on the 5-3-1 Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field. This game will go a long way towards determining who will win the NFC North crown. And of course, a win for Chicago would be quite the statement in primetime. So let's go ahead and just start our Week 11 preview. And just like we begin every game week, it's time to meet our next opponent. So to help us become more acquainted with the Vikings, I sat down with Justin Ekstrom, host of the Skull Nation Pod, who shared some insight and analysis of his team that's fresh off their bye week. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation. Hey, Justin, I appreciate you taking the time here to give us a little bit of insight on your Minnesota Vikings. I want to know, fresh off the bye week, how's it going? It's going pretty good, man. I'm I'm excited. I think, uh, uh, first off, thanks for having me, by the way. Sure. And uh, uh, I'm excited. Uh, the bye came at a good time, a lot of injuries, and uh, I think they should be rested up. Should be nice and hopefully, hopefully nice and rested up and ready for your guys. Are you fearing any, uh, you know, post bye week letdown? I don't know if that's a thing in Minnesota. It seems to always be an issue here in Chicago. It, it is, man. Uh, I I get scared all the time because I don't know if you remember a few years ago, off to a great start, and then we uh, the Vikings hit a bye, uh, out five and zero, oh, and then I mean, what they end eight and eight that season. So <laughs> just I don't know. And then the trip to Soldier Field coming out of the bye always scary for me. Well. That's music to my ears. Yeah, I figure you might like that one. Yeah. Don't worry, uh, we're you guys are definitely a formidable opponent. And then uh, every single year, I don't know, it's just one of those weird things where when my boys go to uh, Soldier Field, things just don't always work out. Well, hey, I'm excited for this game, and I appreciate that you see us as a you know a worthy opponent because you know we've been not such a great football team over the past you know almost decade now. So things are obviously in the up and up over here, but getting back to your Vikings, you guys started the season one, two, and one, but since then you've won four out of your last five games. So what's been the difference between the first three weeks and then those last five? I think right away, the biggest difference to me is the emergence of the running game. 
After the first four games, the Vikings were easily last in the league, like per attempt. Actually, I think in basically every running category, they were just dead last. They were atrocious. They couldn't get anything started and seemed like the second half of games, like kind of the way things were going, it was kind of a pass happy type of game in a few of those games. Then uh, now I think they've been able to establish the run a little better. And I think that has to do with Pat Elfline being healthy. And he's kind of the main guy when it comes to uh, that meat potatoes area of the run game. Like uh, it, it seems like, you know, just the health of this offensive line, the team is kind of going to go as they go. And I know we'll get into that a little bit later because everyone wants to talk about the Vikings offensive line woes all the time. But <laughs> when, when they're healthy, they're a good run blocking unit. And John D. Filippo, he, as you saw from Philly last year, he likes running backs, likes to get them involved. And, you know, Dalvin Cook needs to be healthy in order for that to happen. And I think uh, we saw that last week, him little health or two weeks ago, obviously, uh, he's healthy. And I think the big thing is the emergence of that run game. Let's just go ahead and stick with that real quick, because I want to know with Dalvin Cook back, you have a pretty intimidating two-headed monster in the backfield. Cook and Murray, they combined for 128 rushing yards against Detroit a couple weeks back, and obviously looking real good. And you guys do rank only 29th in rushing yards per game, but I'm anticipating that stat kind of turning itself around now with you know Cook back and healthy. So when it comes to this week on Sunday, what should we anticipate? Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Pete, from both of these backs. I, I think the big thing, make no mistake, Cook is the key to this offense. If everyone remembers how important running backs were to Philly last season and the Super Bowl run and stuff like that with uh, John D. Filippo, uh, Cook showed a little bit last week where he can get in that space and he should have uh, he should give some of your guys a little bit of fit, some of your middle linebackers or uh, some of your linebackers rather. Um, you know, that's going to be a key to this week and beyond. I think just like what he can do, maybe setting out wide. Um, just, just moving him around a little bit. And I think like what he brings as like a home run standpoint, I mean, for crying out loud, he hit 22 miles an hour last week on (laughs) that run. And it's just, the dude is an absolute freak. Make no mistake about that. But, you know, then you have Latavius Murray as well, who's been, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he has been all that of what we expected. And then even more like, he started kind of the running game going a little bit better against the jets and a few of those, you know, against defenses like that, you have to be able to run the ball. And the Vikings have 29th. I don't put a whole lot of stock in that just because they were so bad at the beginning of the season. Sure. Just seeing them on the uptick now that uh, gives me a little more positive outlook for our running game. It's real important this week, as you I'm sure you're well aware yeah, no, absolutely. And real quickly, you guys did just acquire um, Amir Abdullah from Detroit. Uh, do you have any early expectations for him? You know, it's going to be tough because I I don't know. I mean, they got him kind of like right in the middle of the buy. I'm not sure how much he's going to be implemented, but I think what they want out of him is maybe somebody to come in and handle uh, maybe 
uh, kick return duties is what I've been hearing a little bit. I don't know with Mike Zimmer and Mike Prefer and the offense, you know, or the uh, special teams guys, like you never really know who's going to be. They never say, hey, this guy's going to handle punts. This guy's going to handle kicks. All of a sudden they'll say something and then you'll have Holton Hill back there all of a sudden. You know, it's just one of those things where they they kind of go with who they think is going to be the hot hand. And I think Abdullah has shown in the past where he can do that. It's just, I don't know, I hope, I hope Vikings fans kind of temper their expectations a little bit for what they hope to see out of him this first game. All right. Now, obviously, I'm highly curious to your thoughts about Kirk Cousins in his first year with the team. Uh, he's been accurate, and overall, he does appear to be a you know a good acquisition for the Vikings. But that's from the outside perspective. What's your take? Is uh, he playing um, as expected? A little bit less than expected? More? Where's Where's he kind of standing here with uh, some of the fan base? This is going to be like the most mediocre Minnesota answer ever. I'm very mixed. Okay. Like I mean. There have been three games so far where Cousins is like, all right, let's go. You know, this is this is my team. Throw them on the shoulders. And the problem with that is they're 0-2-1 in those games. I got, you know, I got those games where he was just like the rest of the team wasn't doing a whole lot. The Packers tie the uh, Rams and the Saints game. They're, I mean, they're 0-2-1 in those games. And, you know, it feels he has elite accuracy. Like you said, he he's on the move when he's pressured at times, his placement, you know, but for some reason he'll have a clean pocket and no reason whatsoever he'll overthrow a guy or underthrow a guy, or it's just, it's just so weird to me. And I think that's kind of what Washington saw or what we saw out of Kirk Cousins his first couple of years It's just like he's not consistently elite. He'll be elite for a quarter or two, but he's just not, you know, and, you know, make no mistake about it. The Vikings didn't get him to be like the end-all be-all. They got him to be like this healthy guy. He's going to stay in there, be able to take his licks and kind of hold things together while the run game or the defense kind of takes over games. As we've seen, he takes over a game here and there, but don't quite all of a sudden you fumbles with a minute and a half left. You know, that's where my feelings are kind of mixed with him. I think he is very great acquisition, just like you said. Like, I think, you know, he's been he's been worth the money. He's been like a more vocal leader than what I thought he was going to be. I got to see him at camp and I got to see him kind of take charge of things. I didn't expect that right away. And as far as the Vikings are concerned, like the defense is their identity, right? So I didn't expect Kirk Cousins to come in and be like, okay, this is my team now. You know, I didn't expect that, but sometimes you see it. So I, I know it's kind of like one of those haphazard, like fence sitting type answers, but it, it the jury's still out with me. Like I, I got to see these next three games, see if he can actually like a game in Soldier Field. We might need him to actually like throw for 350 yards or something, you know, and just command that offense. And, you know, I, I got to see if he can do it. You know, that's all very fair to be mixed, especially this early on in his tenure here in Minnesota. But have you, are there any trends that I should be aware of, aware of with him, like in terms of that are leading to either struggles or some strong performances? Like, is there anything that you've noticed that if this happens, you know, it's going to be a bad day for, you know, of course, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, for me, he's like the ultimate, I don't know if you remember the movie, The Replacements or whatever, where, uh, yeah, so he, you know, uh, 
Keanu Reeves' character talks about quicksand and, you know, how it like you make one mistake and then you make another mistake. That's with Kirk Cousins. If you see one little thing that he does, like say he fumbles like he did or like Adam Thielen the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago against the Saints, they're going in the red zone. They're going to go up, you know, 17 to 7 on the Saints and then he fumbles and then all of a sudden it's just like this total spiral downward for him. I don't, I, you know, I'm not going to like talk to anybody's mental nature. Of course, I'm not going to, you know, I can't tell you what he's feeling or what he's thinking, but I think what happens is he gets like that little lump in his throat, like human beings do, like when things kind of fall apart and he's like, Oh my God, hopefully this doesn't fall apart. Hopefully it doesn't fall apart. And then it does. Like, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way, you know, that's, that's kind of the way every quarterback is really. But for me, if one thing happens, you can look for that second or third thing to happen. Like he'll make a throw that, you know, you see him make every single time he throws the ball, he'll, he'll make this perfect throw. And then after something bad happened, he'll kind of force it. And then he'll get that interception or he's trying to make a few extra yards. And he, you know, as we all know, the whole entire, anybody that watches the NFL knows that Kirk cousins likes to fumble the football. So you got some of those guys, some of those major defensive line guys that when they hit you, they're going to make sure that they keep in their mind, hey, if I put a hit on this football, chances are he might fumble it. So, you know, if there's any kind of tendency that I can possibly say for him is when there's one bad thing, there's multiple bad things. So you get him into doing a lot of bad things, they're just going to keep coming. Oh, I have to ask then, with Cleo Mack coming down your way here uh, this Sunday, how are you feeling about that? Whoo, is he not one of the best football players in the entire NFL or what, man? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes. Like, I don't know what you guys were feeling about the season before you got him. I I, I felt you guys were on the uptick already. I think I had you at 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, something like that. And then you got Khalil Mack. And, you know, when he's hurt for two games, you still are producing. So it's just like seeing your defense say, hey, if we keep it together, we're getting this guy back against a divisional opponent. He's going to be back and hungrier than ever. You know, and you saw that against the Lions. And then now you're going to see it against the Vikings where I I don't know if there's a way you can stop that guy, to be honest with you. Like the only thing you can possibly do is maybe, you know, we saw the uh, what, what day was it? I think one of the games where they had a guy chip. And he still beat a double team and still got the sack. Was that last week? I think that was There's last week. There's been multiple instances. Uh, well, there was one last week, and even earlier this season, uh, I believe he walked right through a triple team as well. Yeah, he just, he'll just he get chipped by – you're not chipping him with Latavius Murray. I, I mean, he can be tall or whatever. You're not, you're not going to chip him and be effective. You're going to have to make sure you're moving the pocket around, get him – you know, make sure you know where he's at. And – I. I, he scares the living daylights out of me, to be honest with you. With our offensive line the way it is and the way it has performed, I I see no reason to think that they're going to hold him to a goose egg. Now, let's talk about that offensive line because they've given up 24 sacks this year, which is middle of the road, but they've given up 150 total pressures. And I've noticed they've been called for a lot of penalties this year. And looking at PFF, which... Again, you take PFF with a grain of salt, but they do have the Minnesota Vikings as the second worst pass blocking unit in the entire NFL. So, what's going on with the, the offensive line? Like, what's behind these struggles? Um, is it, I, I was going to say, is it one player or is it a whole unit? It, it just sounds like it's everybody up there, isn't it? 
It, it's pretty much everybody. Like, it, you know, I don't know if we've seen a completely intact offensive line from the Vikings, you know, as far as like starters go. Riley Reeves missing some time, and then they got uh, rookie Brian O'Neill. He's kind of doing some spot start stuff. I think he's going to be the right tackle for the future now because it looks like he's kind of coming on, gave up zero pressures last week. I, you know, I think with his zone blocking scheme that they have, it's just a lot of them are having a little trouble with it. And, you know, as far as like kind of Kirk Cousins, his awareness of the where the pocket is kind of going to be, he seems to lose sight of like that backside sometimes. So I, I can't actually pinpoint any one specific reason why they're kind of their pass blocking has been so poor, but it, it, I think it's just like a plethora of things, like all the injuries and then kind of the greenness of the guys. I mean, we talk about, um, you know, Brian O'Neill, he's just started this year, you know, and then we got Pat offline. This is only his second year and they moved Mike Remmers to guard, which some people, I, you know, I don't know if I'm for that or not, but I mean, they just all of a sudden decided to do it. Like he's been a tackle his whole career. Then they're going to move him to guard. You know, I think it's just kind of one of those bumps and bruises, give and take type things where they're, they haven't quite found their stride yet. So, I mean, they better find it this week. Now, real quick, Adam Thielen, obviously he's been having a tremendous year, stringing together all of those 100-yard games back to back to back to back to back. And, well, against the Lions, they held him in check. He only had 22 yards. So how were the Lions able to limit him? Because I need to email the Bears to let them know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you you got them on speed dial, I suppose, right? Like they're listening in, right? Of course. Yeah, they should definitely listen to what I have to say. (laughs) I, I think the big thing, what the Lions ended up doing, you got to bully them. You gotta, you gotta get them. You can't let them get a free release. You gotta be right up there because we've seen like all the Vikings receivers. If you get them letting their route to become clear, like if they're, if you're not kind of hounding them a little bit, you've already lost. Like they're two, one of the better, they're two of the better route runners in the entire NFL. And, you know, I think the big thing, what helped the Lions so much is Stefan Diggs out too. I mean, I, I don't know if that's one of those things where you can say, how do you limit Thielen by having Diggs be out too? I I don't know. And then uh, another big thing is Thielen was kind of hurt with calf injury and kind of toughing it out. I'm not going to make excuses for him or anything like that. But I think like the big thing for him is you got to get him frustrated. You got to get him like out of that Minnesota nice mold and you got to get him like slamming his helmet down on the turf or you got to see him kind of getting everyone else riled up and, I mean, getting their head a little bit. I mean, that's kind of DB 101, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. I want to go ahead and switch over to your defense. Uh, I want to begin with Anthony Barr because he's missed some time now with a hamstring injury, and obviously the bye has given him some time to heal up, and it's so early in the week. We're all kind of unsure of his status. But uh, regardless, could you explain uh, what his absence, how that would impact the defense? Well, it's kind of weird for me. It's – it's strange because they seem to be like more cohesive without him the that last couple of weeks. Like, yeah, they got like George Aloka and Jaron Curse. Like they got their big bodied safeties <clears throat> slash cornerbacks, excuse me, that can kind of press up on coverage. You know, they can kind of cover that running back a little bit better. And you saw how Anthony Barr did a, you know, how he was struggling against some of those 
<clears throat> drag routes that they were doing against, uh, I think, I think uh, the Rams are the ones that really made him vulnerable. Like he was kind of dealing with a um, injury there and the defense kind of put him in bad spots the way it was. And I just made him, made him look really silly. So I think the adjustments of that Mike Zimmer has made in Anthony Barr's stead is actually going to help when Anthony Barr comes up, because maybe he's going to be able to concentrate as a little more of a pass rusher. Cause you see how Zimmer kind of gives different looks all the time. I don't know if you've, been watching some of what they've done, what they did against the Lions. They just basically baited him into thinking that the blitz was coming on one side and then they'd pull Harrison Smith way back like that Cleveland Brown safety style, way like 25 yards off the ball. And I don't know why the Lions weren't trying a little more screen pass game. Maybe it's because they lost their number one guy in Golden Tate just mere days before that. But I think that's one of those things that Mike Zimmer is trying to limit is that extra little thing where, you know, behind the line of scrimmage type passes, uh, trying to get Anthony Barr more in the pass rushing type mode, or at least being, uh, you know, at least some kind of decoy in there. Cause we've seen, he's not going to be covering Tariq Cohen. Like he's not going to be able to do that. And so I think they got to put him in a little better, uh, area. And, you know, as far as the injury is concerned, like you could barely tell he was even, uh, uh, missing the last couple of weeks, like the defense has looked the best I've seen them look for most of the season. It, you know, it goes to say that they were going against, you know, two of the last three games, they're going to again, uh, against two of the worst teams in the league. But I mean, against the saints, you even held them to 23 points, yeah. you know, defensively. So, I mean, when, when this Vikings defense is clicking, when Anthony Barr is on his a game and the rest of the team's on their a game, I mean, I don't know if we've seen that quite yet. Do you have any inkling on what's behind some of that recent success on defense? Because like you said, even though you've been playing a few inferior opponents, I mean, you've still been taking care of them. And on top of that, like you said, the Saints, you handle them pretty well. But Minnesota, they're 5-0 and when they allow 21 or fewer points this year. Um, and, of course, the Bears, we are averaging about 30 per game. And I'm not, I'm not 100% worried. But knowing this, I'm slightly worried. So what's behind some of that recent success? I think the big thing is uh, they're getting in the correct position now. Like Mike Zimmer is getting them into a better position to to tackle immediately. Like you've seen from the Vikings in the past, the middle of the field is free game. Middle of the field, they'll kind of give up their yards, take their bumps and bruises, set you up in a different type of offense than what you'd normally want to be in, and then they take advantage of it. They'll get a big sack and put you in third and long, and then they'll get another sack. You know, that's just that's just kind of how Mike Zimmer does things. And then it's interesting that you say the 21 point thing, because that's what Mike Zimmer stresses. He's like, my record is so much better when I hold teams at 21 points. So that's what I'm hoping for. You need 21 or less or 20 or less is what he's shooting for. And I mean, this year we saw we saw him give up, you know, however many points and score a bunch of points themselves and still lose. You know, it's just it's been kind of a weird season as far as like a Vikings, you know, a Vikings journalist, Vikings fan goes Viking, you know, just watching the Vikings as far as that goes. It's just, I think the defense as a whole tackles really well too. And they've been tackling way better now the last few weeks, just not getting in bad positions, like having guys come up in the box and they make the play. There's very few times where you see a Vikings defender, not make the play he's supposed to in the last couple of weeks anyway. 
Would that be uh, that improved positioning be a big reason why you're giving up less of these chunk plays? Because early on in the year, you guys were giving up a ton of big time plays, forty more yards, and over the last few weeks, that's kind of simmered down. Does it all kind of go back to that? I think so. And I think it's kind of the way the game was going too, where Zimmer was taking a few more chances. Like he knew he had to try to get the ball away from <clears throat> away from the Saints or away from the Rams or away from the Packers. You know, he knew he had to try to create some kind of turnover because they just weren't stopping him. So it's kind of you know as well as I do where you know kind of the way the game dictates things where things change and it's kind of what Zim says too like they're he you know he kind of plays it off he's like well I'm just putting them in better position and they're you know he does the coach thing the coach speak the you know they're they're performing better that's what that's what that's what he kind of says all the time on Tuesdays or he's like yeah well they're performing better so I mean yeah we're gonna do better I think I think a lot of it has to do with you know they're just in better situations during the game where games aren't getting out of hand right away, and then he can do the defense that he wants to. What's your assessment of your corners? I mean, I can talk about your entire secondary, but Harrison Smith, I mean, he is one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in the entire league. That's a given. We've seen him twice a year for quite some time. I, I know what to expect from him, but what's your assessment of the corners so far this year? Is anyone sticking out for better or for worse this year? You know, some of the guys that are really surprising me is rookie Holton Hill. He, he's a guy that he's been kind of in there because Xavier Rhodes, he's almost built in Xavier Rhodes, like, like just in his mold. He's big, tall, long arms, strong. Like you, you look at the guys when you see him on the practice field, you're like, Hey, is that, is that Xavier? Oh no, no, that's Holton Hill. Okay. So, I mean, they got, they got him doing a lot of nickel and I'm really impressed with the improvement of his, like of his hips, of his ankles, of just his footwork. Like when he's, he's not getting beat a whole lot anymore. And then even if he is, he makes up with it and he's, he's not elite speed. He's just, I don't know. He's just kind of a bully. And in a Mike Zimmer defense, that's one of those guys that's been kind of sticking out me. And then J Ron curse, same thing. Like I've, I kind of wrote him off him and uh, Mackenzie Alexander. I wrote both the Clemson boys off a little bit. I'm like, you know, when, when are these guys going to start performing? And apparently they're answering with now. Like, all of a sudden, these three guys are a big key. Xavier Rhodes has been nicked up. I mean, he, was, he missed the game, and you could barely tell they were even missing him. If you squinted real well, it almost looked like he was out there. And I, Trey Waynes, too. Like, I'm really impressed with that kid. It it takes it took a long time. And Mike Zimmer even says it takes a long time to learn his system. That's why Terrence Newman was here for so long, because he knew the system. He knew exactly what he expected out of his corners, out of his the nickel corner position in the NFL is, you know, the Vikings are a microcosm of the way the nickel corner is being used in the NFL now. I mean, you get a bigger, stronger guy that can act as a linebacker, as a safety, as a corner. Like you just get this university, universal look out of something, you know, you can do a lot of different things with those guys and they can cover a lot of different guys. And but those those guys right there, they impressed. They have been impressing the heck out of me lately. Sure, sounds like it. That's uh, yeah, good stuff. Now switching to your defensive line, uh, Daniel Hunter. He's played very very well in the first half of the year. He's second in the NFL in sacks with eleven and a half. Um, but there's a huge kind of gap between him and the rest of the defense. I see Alexander and Weatherly are the next closest. They have three sacks apiece. So. What's happened to the rest of the defensive line because they're not generating the same kind of sack numbers that we're used to seeing out of Minnesota? 
Well, I think I think as you may have heard or may not have heard, Everson Griffin's been out. He had uh, it was some kind of a lot of people are saying like a mental health issue, and I think that kind of like besides the fact that he's just not on the field, he's kind of that emotional leader for that defensive line. Like Linville Joseph feeds off of his energy. Like you see those two guys uh, in practice or on the field. I mean, they are just feeding off each other and constantly going. And I think they, they were kind of missing out on him. And you saw last week, it looked like he was kind of hitting his stride again. Um, you know, obviously he's going to need, he needed that in another week, maybe. I mean, this is only going to be his third game back. So I think that's one of the major keys there, their emotional leader. And then, you know, as far as output goes, he's been one of the best defensive ends in the entire league the last three seasons. So uh, just to have him back to take a little heat off of Daniil Hunter, it's, <laughs> I mean, it could be pretty scary for an offensive line trying to block those guys. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, so Looking at your red zone defense, it's uh, perhaps the most alarming thing I'm looking. Uh, I noticed when I was doing my research here earlier today because your red zone defense, second in the NFL, only allowing offenses to score touchdowns on less than 40% of their red zone trips. So what's behind that? That's a little uh, – oh, and top of that real quick too. I don't know if you know this, but they're only allowing touchdowns uh, half of the time when opponents get into a first and goal situation, which is incredible. Yeah, it's a, that's something that Mike Zimmer just prides himself on because, like I was saying earlier, in the middle of the field, he's like that, you know, hey, they can they can gain however many yards they want in the middle of the field. It's when you get inside that red zone where he somehow makes his hay. Like the looks that he gives people, you know, obviously the red zone's a little tougher for offenses to do, you know, there's not enough, there's not as much yardage to work with. You can't just burn right on past the guy, you know, you got tighter windows, you got a few, you know, different passing lanes. So I think he just uses that to his double A gap blitzing. Like he hasn't been using that as much, but he still has that when he needs it. Like he just, he puts himself in different situations in that time of the game and he just, uh, I don't know, he just capitalizes on it with the defensive players. And it's basically the the players making a play for him too. That's something that he would even say. It's just these players are making the plays that I tell them to make. And, you know, as far as red zone defense goes, it. I mean, I don't know how many times Matthew Stafford was in the red zone a couple of weeks ago, but they didn't even score a touchdown and they, they had to scratch for nine points. They're not the most elite offense in the world, obviously. You guys got the feast on them last week. But, I mean, Matthew Stafford, I still think, is top half of the league as far as, like, passing quarterbacks goes. And he can kind of beat you with your leg with his leg. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Eggs every once in a while, and I, I don't know. I, I, I can't. Obviously, I don't know the X's and O's of why it's working. It just does. Hey, sometimes you just got to keep it simple. 
I think that's where Zimmer kind of got himself in trouble because he was trying to outthink like the Rams offense or the Saints offense. You know, he's trying to outthink these guys instead of doing what he does best and just like putting his guys in a better situation, getting, you know, showing one look, bringing a different one. Like you can't, sometimes you got to keep it simple and go back to what has got you there. Absolutely. Hey, Justin, is there anything else about the Vikings offense, defense, special teams that uh, perhaps I didn't pick your brain on that you want to make sure that Bears fans know heading into the week? Well, I think, you know, for me, I'm waiting to see the John D. Filippo offense that I was hoping to see. Like I've been, I don't know if they've just been waiting to unveil it. You see some looks here and there. I think there might be a little discrepancy as to what uh, Zim wants to do. He kind of wants to run the ball, control the clock, that kind of thing. And John D. Filippo, I think he wants to go back every once in a while to what won him a Super Bowl or help his team win a Super Bowl in Philadelphia last year. And that's like when you're up, keep going up. Like we haven't seen that quite yet. And I have a feeling this week we might have to see that. If they get a seven-point lead, they're going to need it to be 14. They're going to need it to be 17. They can't – they're not going to – they can't let up on this Bears offense, which is fantastic for you guys to be able to say because it's been bumps and bruises the last few uh, years. But, I mean, that offense is really humming right now. I'm really impressed with – how you guys have or how the way you guys are heading right now. I am really impressed with that offense. Uh, The running backs. Holy smokes, man. I think another thing, I don't know if I have enough time to be able to get into this a little bit, but your guys' running backs. I think that's the key. You can talk all day about Khalil Mack. You can talk all day about how opportunistic your defense is, but I think the key to being able to stop the bears is the running backs. And the Vikings have been extremely vulnerable uh, defensively when you have a guy like Tariq Cohen, a guy, you know, like you saw what the Rams did with Todd Gurley, moving him all over the place. Well, that's going to be Cohen this week. The Zimmer's defense has to be ready for that. They've shown vulnerability and uh, they're not going to catch him if they let him get out of the backfield. So I think, you know, this is one of those games where it's going to have to be close and they can't let him beat them or he can't let the running backs beat them. And I mean, once this offense gets going, it's going to be tough to get back going again. You know, the Vikings and the purple are going to have to have their a game, you know, make no mistake. We're uh, underdogs in this. So I, I don't know if you know that we're, we're not favored to win. So you guys are favored to win. So I'm hoping that the Vikings can keep it close and uh, pull out a close one against a really tough opponent. All right. Well, I just have one more question for you. It's how I end every Meet the Opponent episode, and it's a two-parter. And the first one is, well, you kind of just alluded to it. Uh, What did the Vikings need to do in order to come away with the victory? I think, you know, obviously they got to keep the big plays to a minimum. You got to – the big plays that – uh, Trubisky was making last week some of the most impressive throws I have seen that young man make to date and they got to keep those like I mean he, they just kept throwing deep kept throwing deep and you know that's set up by little screens Tariq Cohen you know it, field position 
the Vikings got to keep things close. You can't let you guys break it open. I think that's defensively, that's one of the main keys. Keep the scat backs in the backfield. Keep them trying to run in between the tackles. Don't get them outside of the tackle. And I think offensively, they got to protect the football. Vikings, you know, as you know, the the Bears are one of the most opportunistic defenses in the entire NFL, and that seems to never change. Like, they always have some knack, even when they're having down seasons, their defense always seems to be opportunistic. They're going to, if they get a fumble, they're going to house it. If they get an interception, they're going to get 40, 50 yards, sometimes a touchdown out of it. And this year is... Like that's exactly it. You got to protect the football and you got to keep things close. All right. And of course the flip side of this question is going to be what's going to happen in order to lead to a Vikings loss and a bears win. Well, just the opposite of what I said, basically like the bears got to get big chunks. They got to, they got to, they got to exploit some of those mismatches. Tariq Cohen. I think he's the key man. Like I think, you know, as far as like special teams go, Vikings are kind of bottom half. From what, from my standpoint, they they don't really break things open. They they bend a little, don't break that kind of thing. The Bears are going to have to kind of exploit that third, third you know third aspect of the uh, deal. And <laughs> we can't have this come down to the kickers. Neither one of the kickers right now is anyone going to have a whole lot of faith in them. Let's not go there. Yeah, <laughs> I figured you'd feel my pain. Mm-hmm. All too much. Oh man. Oh, it's so rough right now. It's just, can't we buy a decent kicker? You guys had the most consistent kicker forever, and now you just can't seem to replace him. Rub it in, Justin. Rub it in. <laughs> I, I didn't mean I didn't mean to go there or anything like that. But I'm saying the big the big key to the Bears offensively is your running backs have to get the ball. You got to make things nice and easy for uh, Trubisky, and then then you hit the home run. You know, the, uh, the wide receivers are kind of hitting their stride right now, too, man. Miller, whoo, finally hit it big. Mm-hmm. It's, been, uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, last last week he had his uh, coming out party, basically. So keeping that close is going to be real tough for the Vikings secondary. I hope they're healthy. Oh, that's you. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that makes 50% of us. Uh, hey, that's majority. <laughs> Well, I, I probably weigh more than you, so if I feel that way, it's got to be uh, majority wins, right? I guess you're right. <laughs> oh, uh, man. Hey, uh, I, we're about strapped on time here, but I just want to thank you again uh, for taking the time. Give us a lowdown about your Vikings. This was a very fun conversation. I appreciate you coming on and uh, you know answering all of my questions this week, and I wish you luck uh, after this week. But not, t- not too much. Uh, we want to win the North over here in Chicago. Yeah, that is going to be a fantastic stretch, I think. You guys got a little easy, you know, you can't really say easy or a tougher schedule in the NFL because you never really know. But as far as things lining up, things are looking up for you guys. So I hope we can steal this one in your backyard and make it a little easier on us. Well, that sounds like a plan for you, I suppose. But uh, no, Justin, you have a great rest of your night. And again, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. Well, that'll do it, Bears fans. I hope that you enjoyed that discussion with Justin. Next up, Brandon and Nick will answer your questions with another audio mailbag episode. There is still time to submit your question, so if you want to ask your Bears question and get it answered on our podcast, uh, simply just call 
872-240-4007. Again, 872-240-4007. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, and we'll answer it on the next show. So we'll be back tomorrow. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Your heart health is the foundation of your body's performance. So if you want to stay at your peak, your heart has to do the same. Cocovia delivers the level of cocoflavanols clinically proven to increase circulation, promoting healthy blood pressure and a strong heart. Boost your cardiovascular health and stay peak with Cocovia at cocovia.com. That's C-O-C-O-A-V-I-A.com. And now during Heart Health Month, save 20% with coupon code CVHEART20. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease.